with a word about what God's word will never be. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. It will never be void, never useless, never meaningless, never ineffective. It will, in fact, hit. It will have an impact. So when you talk to someone who does not believe or is a believer, then Scripture has an impact on them. That may not be right in front of you. In fact, it often isn't. In fact, they may appear to be offended or disinterested or yawn and walk away. But in fact, God promises that something will happen, that it won't be useless. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. Jesus said, God's word is truth, and we're all called to proclaim it, to preach the word. And that's our focus today on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. And we're glad you're with us as we come to this very practical section of the Scripture in 2 Timothy. At first glance, this call to preach the Word may sound a little scary, but once we learn what's at stake and that God will give us what we need to meet this challenge, well, that changes everything. So be encouraged to join us in 2 Timothy as Pastor Ed begins by reading from chapter 4. Chapter 4, Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your service, your ministry. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we ask that you'd speak to us now from your word, how we need to hear something from you. We need your encouragement, your strength, your conviction, your love. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Preach the word. Now, you're probably thinking, well, that leaves me out. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. No, no, no. This is a different word, and it means distinctively everyone has this call in their life. So Paul is getting older now. This is his last known correspondence that we're aware of. Uh, we actually have another letter that we're coming to Titus after this, but this is the last chapter of the last book of Paul. One of the uh, Sunday school teachers, little kids, gave this to me, and she has four-year-olds. And one of the four-year-olds asked her in her Sunday school class, what's a hipster? And she looked at the little kid and went, well, it's someone who wears things just to look different. They often buy clothes at the thrift shops and wear thick glasses. And the little girl in front who was just listening screeched up her forehead and she said, hmm, my grandma must be a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. There is a old 
story, famous story about a, a chapel, a church in northern England, almost into Scotland, that was started many years ago by a godly man and a group of other men and women that joined him, and they eventually built their own building, and when they uh, built the church building, they put over the door, this arched doorway, we preach Christ crucified. Pretty clear statement about uh, what their intent was. Well, things went along well for several decades, and they influenced the entire area. The church grew, many people came, many people got saved. And then the next generation came along, and they were of a different cut of cloth, and uh, much more liberal in their view of Scripture, the Word, the Bible. And at the same time, the church had become covered with ivy, great old stone church and ivy all over it. But the sign, the ivy was growing, and it covered the last word. So the sign, when you walked up, said, we preach Christ. And everyone was happy with that, and they decided to leave it that way. And it sounds okay, but the new pastor didn't want to talk about crucifixion, didn't want to talk about Christ's sacrifice, the blood, the atonement, God dying in our place. And the church went on, and it began to lose its vitality unless people were coming. The years went on. A new set of pastors came, and the ivy grew, and it grew over the third word. So now it just says, we preach. But ironically, that was exactly what was happening. They said, well, we don't necessarily just have to preach about Jesus. We can talk about other social needs, things that need to be addressed, you know, in our society, and in politics, world peace, you know, broader issues. And they brought in musicians, and they had poetry readings and flute. <laughs> and the ivy grew until the sign only said, we. But it's all about us, right? So they left it. Now, let me put up against that story another true story. In November of 1963, some of you are old enough to remember this, JFK was shot in Dallas. And then Lyndon Johnson, the vice president, was sworn in. And Billy Graham was there for the swearing in. And shortly thereafter, Johnson came to Dr. Graham, whom he's known for a long time at the time, and he asked him, he said, what would you like to be in my administration? Now, think on that just a moment. Put yourself in that place. If the president called you this morning after church and said, what would you like to be in my administration? And you said, well, I've always wanted to be Secretary of State. And he said, well, welcome, Miss Secretary of State or Mr. Secretary of State to your new position. Great temptation. But Billy Graham answered right away, according to Bill Moyer, who was standing right next to him, and he said this, Sir, I believe that Jesus Christ has called me to preach his gospel. To me, that is the highest calling any man or woman could have on earth. Wow, there it is, a succinct summary of the motive of Graham's heart and what should be, I'm suggesting, the motive of every one of us in this room. And we'll see that the word preach very much fits every person. So we must not think of pastors or preachers as in some unique position. 
This is, in fact, a mandate to every person who has surrendered to the name of Jesus Christ. Quick review, Paul's last letter to his protege, young Timothy, is hundreds of miles away in the city of Ephesus, and the church is going through some struggles from within and from on the outside. On the outside, the nation, the Roman Empire, was persecuting Christians. Nero, by this time, was the emperor. He would later become just a complete tyrant. So there's this pressure on believers in this, the capital city, Ephesus, capital city of Asia Minor. And then from within, that two elders who were either church house church pastors were struggling, and they left the ministry, and they took people with them, and they were preaching a different gospel, as Paul said, no longer preaching about we preach Christ crucified. So it's into the, that situation that Paul comes challenging, exhorting, encouraging, cautioning this young pastor, and it very much translates to us again. Three parts of this. First two verses, preach the word. Second two verses, three and four, itching ears. And then the last verse about watchfulness, being watchful. So let's jump in and see what Paul said to Timothy that in fact speaks to us today, 2,000 years later. Verse one, I charge you. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Now, that phrase, I charge you, is a single Greek word. It's a very powerful word. It hit Timothy differently than it does you and I just reading it in the English language. It is a legal term that means to testify under oath, like we might today put our hand on a Bible and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Well, Weiss Greek said, in pagan Greek speech, it was used to call the gods and men to witness as everyone is my witness, or as God is my witness, kind of an idea. Paul wanted Timothy to sense the weight, the gravity, the importance of what he was about to say to him. It would be Paul's final charge to this young pastor. This is the summary of what Timothy's life is supposed to be, according to Paul, according to the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. So it's a very powerful, solemn statement, a serious moment for this young man. Therefore, looks back to the last two verses. If you were with us last time, we looked carefully at the statement, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is theo, where we get our word theology, God, pneumatos, where we get our word pneumatic, air, breath, in this case, all Scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God. Because of that, because that's true, Timothy, because that's the reality of what we have, then be careful. There's something God wants you to do. Now, Paul includes the name of Father God and God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to even add more weight to this statement. The ones who were judged, well, Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead. He said so in John chapter 5, the Father has given to me the judgment. So Jesus is going to be in judgment. The word galeo was sitting, for those of you who are familiar with the book of Acts. But the point is, Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians that there was a bema judgment seat of Christ. 
the seed of Christ, where rewards were handed out for the Isthmian Games in Corinth. The Olympic Games were every fourth year, and on the off years, there would be these Olympian Games that were called the Isthmian Games, the Isthmus of Greece. So, Paul is referring to that idea here, that Jesus will judge those who know him, who have surrendered to him, who have given their lives to him, have trusted him for salvation, those will receive rewards at a judgment seat, the judgment seat of Christ, and those who don't will stand before the great white throne judgment. And that's in the last chapters of the book of Revelation. We'll get there. Where everyone will be judged who is not a believer according to the things they've done. Now, that is a pretty weighty subject we're dealing with here rather quickly. But God wants everyone to know that there are consequences for the decisions that we make in life. There will be consequences and there will be judgment. Before we move deeper into 2 Timothy chapter 4, Pastor Ed Ray makes one more appeal to be ready for what's ahead. Here again, Pastor Ed Ray on Growing Grace. I have friends in the past who said, I don't want to hear about God. I just want to do what I want to do. I want freedom, of course, which is not freedom, because someday everyone will stand before the creator of the universe. So powerful stuff here. But Paul is trying to motivate this young man not by fear, but by the importance of what he's about ready to be and do. He says, Timothy, do this with your life. Verse 2, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and with all long suffering and teaching, do these things. Okay, so here's this word, preach. And kerosio, in the Greek language, or keroso. It is a word that means to herald, to be a town crier. That's the use of it in the Roman Empire in the first century. And it goes all the way up to the 17th or 18th century, where people would come into a town square sent by a king or a governor or the mayor of the town to proclaim announcements. And it is the foundation of this word to declare something, to speak out something to people. Declare what? In this case, the Greek word logos, the word of God. Be ready to spread the word, another translation says. Uh, be ready to spread the word whether or not the time is right. And goes on to explain, really in simple terms, announce, proclaim, set forth God's word. Okay. You are charged to do that. I am charged to do that. Mark 16, 15. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach, declare the gospel. Oh, pastor, that's scary to me. I don't know if I can do that. Well, you can. There's some things that you need to do beforehand, which is know the word. So if you're a brand new Christian, start reading and start memorizing scripture. And Paul is encouraging here for him to do that because it will be fruitful. His life will matter. He will have significance in his life. And all of us want that. We may not articulate that, but we want to be significant. We want this life to matter. That's what Paul is saying to him. Preach the word. Notice 
town criers, heralds, didn't preach what they wanted to say. They didn't preach about themselves. They didn't talk about their families or other things. They spoke about what the government official asked them to. So this is not preach yourself. This is God's complete revealed word, the Bible, scriptures, all of it. And God promises that when you do that, when I do that, that there will be a change in someone who hears it. Here's the way he told Isaiah. So Isaiah's feeling the same thing that many of you are feeling right now. Whoa, I've tried it, it doesn't work, I'm discouraged, I, I shared with this person or that person, and it's been a long time and nothing's happened. Here's what God said to Isaiah when he was complaining about that in Isaiah 55, verse 10. God speaking, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my, capital M, God, so shall my word be that which goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. That's God's promise, that his word, by the very nature of him having said it through the Holy Spirit through men, is powerful. It will never be void, never useless, never meaningless, never ineffective, it will in fact hit. It will have an impact. So when you talk to someone who does not believe or is a believer, then scripture has an impact on them. That may not be right in front of you. In fact, it often isn't. In fact, they may appear to be offended or disinterested or yawn and walk away. But in fact, God promises that something will happen, that it won't be useless. I've discovered in my own life that there are three ancient Greek words that need to be lined up for this word, the logos, to happen. Number one is the word logos, which is I need to know God's word or I can't talk to it. Second Greek word is ethos, where we get our word ethics from that my character has to match what I'm saying. If I'm saying one thing and doing something different the rest of the week, people who know me are going to say, he's just full of hot air. He's talking about stuff that he doesn't do himself. So logos, ethos, and then pathos, where we get our word passion from. God wants passion in our lives for our relationship with him. He loves us and he wants us to act like it. Now, maybe you're not de demonstrative. No, I, I, I'm kind of a quiet person. It still doesn't mean that you don't have passion for this subject. Jesus loves you. He has a passion for you, an intimacy with you, and he wants you to show that to other people. Not go overboard, not dance around and jump up and down and be crazy. Just be passionate enough about it, care enough about other people. Love isn't love until it's given away. If you care about people, you'll want them to know people that don't know God. You'll want them to know God so they'll spend eternity with him too. Do you care about that person? Well, yeah, I care about them, but you know, they always just blow me off when I say something. Keep saying it. I see the results of that here doing what I do every week. People that 
were told something years earlier, and then they'll come in and tell me about it, how it was bothering them. What did that person mean when they said that? And they'll repeat words that are scripture, but they didn't know what it meant. God just did this thing in them. My best friend in college, my roommate, self-sufficient guy, very wealthy family, and I told him about Jesus, and he just blew me off years after I became a Christian after college. Didn't hear from him for 30 years. 30 years. He called me. I have cancer. I'm dying. I remember what you said. Can you talk to me? (laughs) I was there, and I, I prayed with him, gave him a Bible. He started coming to church here. For six months, he walked with the Lord before he died. But something I had said three decades earlier had this impact on his life. So those of you that have spoken things to people, people you care about, maybe children or parents or grandparents or grandchildren, friends, pray that God would take those words and drive them home. So I'm talking about this last night in a Saturday night service, and a young man comes up to me after the service. You remember me? I said, well, yeah, actually I do. What was it, five years ago? He said, seven he said, yeah, when you get old, you, you know, you compress time. He said, that woman over there and that child, that's my wife, and that's my son. And he teared up. Why? Because he knew that I knew what he was seven years ago when he came in addicted. And I won't embarrass him because he goes to church with you sometimes. He might even be here right now. But a perfect example of something said seven years earlier and then the Holy Spirit, at the right moment, the seed springs to life, and people respond. Be ready, in season and out of season. (laughs) This is an interesting little section. On all occasions, be eager to do this. Now, this doesn't mean we're supposed to beat people over the head. Uh, It just means you look for opportunities. And be naturally supernatural. Take the opportunities that come, even when you don't feel it. Well, I don't feel like talking to them about God. Well, of course you don't, because Satan doesn't want you to. He wants you to be depressed and discouraged and have it be a bad day, not in the mood, and all those other things. Uh, years ago in Boy Scouts, I remember one Boy Scout was complaining to the scoutmaster that a woman wouldn't let him help her across the street, and finally had to take her by the hand and pull her across. And then she told him she wasn't crossing the street. She was waiting for somebody. (laughs) So there you go. You know, just be sensitive to the needs of the other person. Insulting them is not helpful. All right. The word convince is a word that means to create an interest in the other person, to pour water on a seed maybe that someone else has planted. We are going and growing through a study in 2 Timothy here on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Did you miss a portion of the message or was there a part you wanted to hear again? Just go online to thepackinghouse.org for a replay. We archive our programs there for you so you can listen anytime you'd like. That's thepackinghouse.org or listen to us on Apple Podcasts. One more option is to call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. 
That's 844-77-GRACE. Grow in Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners, and we're thankful for each and every gift that comes our way. If you've been blessed by the teaching you've received through this radio program and would like to support what we're doing in this new year, please give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. And as a way of saying thank you, we'll send you Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. This book brings together what Lewis saw as the fundamental truths of Christianity. And in it, he sets out to defend the beliefs that believers through the ages hold in common. And I know you'll be encouraged by what he has to say. So again, you can ask for your copy of Mere Christianity when you give today. Give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. Our prayer is that you'll grow in grace as you study along with us. And if that's happening in your life, please do write us. It would mean a lot to hear if these daily studies have an impact on your life. And if you have a question related to our study or a prayer request, by all means, send those our way. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. Again, packinghouseradio at aol.com. Then join us for the next Grow in Grace as we continue through the Bible with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is brought to you by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship and online at packinghouse.org. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. 